0: to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, everybody. I've got an awful lot to cover here in this episode, so I'm just going to dive right in here. Plenty of education things, as you would expect, and plenty of jab-related things also, along with a few other things and uh, a a couple of things to maybe watch over the weekend. Some uh, educational viewing, if, if you're interested. First of all, I actually woke up to this, which is rather interesting and I wanted, to, I wanted to get this kind of out of the way, because it's, it's certainly, I, I think, interesting. I, I don't think that it's the approach to take, and it's certainly not working, uh, at least in my opinion, and this is not the approach that I would have taken, but it is what it is. So let me provide some background. You may recall that I had on the show a while back, Kimberly Reichs. And Kimberly Reichs is a mother who sends her children to the Ankeny, Iowa school district, where, of course, the masks were enforced and uh, jabs were suggested and a a bunch of other horrible things, including back in the spring before the school year ended. They had a drag queen show up for an after-school event that was held within the district's performing arts center, if memory serves. I even put the videos on my Gab account. I mean, it was a strip show, basically. Uh, You know, where a male dressed like a female in a black leotard is doing stripper moves on the stage. Completely inappropriate, of course. Apparently, there's an investigation taking place. No one's going to be held accountable. We know that, we know that that's the, you know, that's standard procedure within many of these school districts. Apparently, just the other day, Kimberly Reichs decided to not take any of my suggestions, which, by the way, I didn't suggest any of this. Uh, and I understand that she's motivated, and she wants to make a difference, I guess. But uh, th- this just isn't the approach I would have I taken. She apparently showed up to their school board meeting, and she walked in with her friend, who was also in on the Zoom call where I was talking with the two of them, and making suggestions as to why they should homeschool their children. That's that that's what I was doing over the Zoom call, but in this school board meeting she shows up, she has pictures of the drag queen on a poster and, and what the drag queen looked like and was doing. And then she herself decided to dress up like the drag queen, wearing the high heel, you know, the knee-high boots and the leotard and the whole thing. And I understand the point that she's making. I get it. She's trying to shove it back in their face. You wouldn't accept this and me doing this on a stage. So why would you accept a male drag queen doing this on a stage for an after-school event of some kind, a club event, which was hosted and funded and put together by at least one, in, one school employee? Again, I understand the point she's making. Where I differ with her on this, and probably others, is that she's putting her energy in the wrong place. You cannot change these school districts by throwing their degeneracy back at them and expect them to just say, you know what, you're right. We're 100% wrong. We made a huge mistake. What we did is completely inappropriate. What we have supported is completely inappropriate, and we're sorry. School districts are not going to do that. They never do that. There is only one solution, as you have heard me say going forward. There's just one solution to this never-ending problem. It is to remove yourselves and your children from these school districts, and you make them financially collapse. That's it. Your lack of participation makes these school districts financially collapse. They can tax the taxpayers all they want, but the next move is to, of course, remove your children, have them financially collapse, have the school districts beg for money with school levies to receive more state funds, and then not vote for those levies. That will make the schools collapse. We aren't there yet. People aren't awake yet. They aren't figuring it out. And I understand the other side of the argument. I get it. Kimberly Reichs is doing this to wake more people up because the school district is keeping it silent. She's trying to keep it at the forefront. And no one, I mean, I'll, I'll give it, I'll hand it to her, you know, for this, for this point of view, I'll hand it to her that no one's done what she just did here. I mean, no one's done that. But, she's putting her energy, again, in the wrong place. There has to be some self-governance. There has to be some inward reflection here on yourselves and your own families. My question for Kimberly and her friend who is holding up the sign is, are you still sending your children to this school district? Are you still sending your children to the same school district? That, that you're criticizing, that invites in a drag queen for an after-school activity in the Performing Arts Center, again, hosted by one of the employees of the school building, I believe was the, either the music teacher or the drama teacher, if memory serves. Are you still sending your children to these environments, or are you homeschooling them? Because that's, that's different. If you're homeschooling your children, and you're self-governing in that regard. And you're doing a civic duty by, by highlighting the degeneracy of the school district and showing the school district, hey, you're, st- you're doing these things, we know you're doing these things, whatever. I mean, that's okay, I guess. That's okay. Keeping, again, their degeneracy at the forefront to remind the school district that you haven't forgotten about what they're allowing. You know, that's, that's fine. Just don't keep sending your children to the same environment. That's hypocritical then. And again, we can scream from the mountaintops all we want as individuals about removing your children from American K-12 schools, but if you're on the mountaintop and you're freezing to death, it's time to get off of the mountaintop and build your own civilization down where it's safe and protect your own family. Because if you're still shouting from the mountaintops and you freeze to death, eventually you're going to become this story that people tell where they say, well, they froze to death at the mountaintop, screaming for everybody to homeschool. And in the process, they, they sort of looked foolish throughout the process without just self-governing and taking care of their own. I know that's a long ramble. My point is is that I would say to Kimberly, you can dress in leotards all you want and speak at school board meetings and do this all you want. The school already allows it with cheerleading. The school system already allows it with talent shows where they have students dress in leotards and dance around on stage and do stripper moves during talent shows. Now, I fully understand having this male drag queen show up dressed the way that they were, showing their ass, and, and doing what they were doing is beyond inappropriate. Of course it is. But expecting school districts to admit fault, or admit wrongdoing, or, or accept the, you know accept responsibility for what they've done is not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. That ship has sailed. These people have gagged children for two years. They encouraged everybody, including children, to take a biological weapon, which has killed tens of millions of people, if not more, injured billions. It's going to continue to be the case. This isn't going to fix anything. Your lack of participation is going to fix everything. Removing yourselves from these environments will fix everything. Because you will realize that you don't need them. They will always be degenerate, as you've heard me say, these environments. They are going to be for the uncivilized, the handicapped, and the degenerate. They are not going to be for the for the civilized. They won't be for us. So, separate yourself from them and create your own thing over here and let them burn to the ground. Because simply, again, by you removing yourself from their environment, that's, that's the end of it for them. They will run out of money. And then you vote no on the levies, and you vote no again, and again, and again. While you watch your taxes go up, if, if the vote ends up being a yes on those levies, that'll just piss off everybody even more, and then they'll eventually start voting no and there will be levies on every single election in local school districts in local towns and cities going forward now that's how financially corrupt and financially bankrupt they are that's not going to go away it will be a yearly thing year in year out you have to you have to keep stamping no 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 on all of them and then they will cease to exist a bulldozer will come in knock some of the buildings down They'll sell the property to someone. They'll put up a parking garage, a parking lot, or maybe even build a hospital. That's what will happen. That's how this entire thing ends up. So, I want to make it clear that I didn't suggest to her that she do this. I suggested that she keep an eye on the drag queen thing as to how it's going to shake out. I told her and her friend, don't expect to hear what the result is. Don't expect anybody to be disciplined, because that's not likely to happen. You have to remove yourself from these environments and put your energy into homeschooling your children. Kimberly Rice is a stay-at-home mom. And she sends her children to these environments to learn. The same ones she's criticizing and saying are inappropriate for children, and yet she... What? Keeps sending her kids there? I don't get it. I'm assuming she still sends her children there. She may not. But in the time that it took to make the poster, to buy the leotard, to dress up, to plan it all out, that could have been put into her children and homeschooling her children. That's my point. Self-govern, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. We have to self-govern. Here's the next thing I want to mention. It's certainly education-related, and this is a subject that you've heard me bring up before in the past. That Conservative Inc. and the members that work for Conservative Inc., I could run down the list, and I'll just give you, a, again, a, a brief list. The people like Stephen Crowder, Ben Shapiro, Michael Knowles, Matt Walsh, these individuals, again, tend to all receive their checks from generally the same place, and the same place is. Even Glenn Beck falls into that category, and, and countless others. Because, uh, again, if they're in the mainstream and they're in the limelight and they're on television, there's only so far that they'll go. With all of that said, this, what you're going to hear in this audio you're going to hear is something that has happened before. And I find it interesting because it does expose these individuals in conservative ink to some extent because they don't want to bite the hand that feeds them. So let me mention this first because this is something that happened a while back. A very long time ago, Jordan Peterson, well, a long time ago, I don't know how long, it was a couple of years maybe, Jordan Peterson was, of course, doing a tour, as, he's, as he tends to do, and lecturing, and then he'll do a Q&A. Someone during the Q&A came up to the microphone and asked the question, why don't you talk about the Jewish influence? over the degeneracy and the decline of men and strong men in society. And again, sort of the gender-fluid stuff that you see that, of course, feminizes men. Why don't you talk about the influence regarding all of that? And he was caught on camera asking the question, and then, of course, Jordan Peterson didn't answer the question. He walked away. He was on stage. He turned around. He walked away. He shook his head, shook his hand, and, and that was it. Well, in this video that you're going to hear, which apparently happened recently, an Asian student walks up to the microphone when Matt Walsh is giving a speech. And it's the same organization, America Foundation or America's Foundation or something along those lines. It's the same foundation that has had. Michael Knowles and Ben Shapiro and Alan West and Dinesh D'Souza and a bunch of again, conservative ink people, all speak behind a lectern on a podium, and then, you know, speak quickly and and talk about the surface-level degeneracy that exists. But they never go deeper than that. They never go one step lower and say, who funds it? And then they don't even go two steps lower and say, who funds it and what's their motive for funding it? And then, are there things that these people have in common? Either from a religious standpoint, an ideological standpoint, a familial standpoint, whatever it is. Those, uh, these, it's, it's verboten. This is a topic that Conservative Inc. won't cover why because they don't want to bite the hand that feeds them. Here's the audio of the interaction. If I was and I'll play the entire thing here. It's not very long, it's about a minute. If I was the Asian student, I wouldn't have shouted, I just would have calmly asked him. Because when you approach these conservative ink people and you shout a question or a point at them, their defense is always to attack your tone and the way in which you ask the question. It's not to actually answer the question. So by shouting at them, what you're doing is is you're giving them an excuse to not answer the question. So here's that audio and that interaction in three, two, one.
1: Hi, how are you doing today? How are you? Good, how about you? I am sure. my bed. My name's Josh. And so you said yourself that powerful institutions are at play here and there's a coordinated effort to spread this parasitic ideology. So I have a question for you. Are you willing to name the group behind this? Because behind all these institutions, there seems to be a Cohen, a Berg, a Stein. So I have a question for you. What are your thoughts on the Jewish influence about on gender ideology? Is there Am I going to do anything about the Jews is what you're asking me? Uh, No. Uh, Okay. Do I need to dignify that with a further response, do you think? It's a hard one
0: to follow. Um. I want to spend a moment on this because it deserves a moment, to say the least. There's a lot here. Just in this one audio clip, this one minute exposes so much about human interaction and the human mind and the ability to evade evade a question, but then this is what happens when you ask it, uh, you ask it in a wrong way, like I said earlier, and with the wrong tone. The Asian student is right about his point. He's 100% right. Anybody who's read history and real history and investigated real history knows that this is part of it. To to make a society degenerate, you have to fund that degeneracy, and it just so happens that that comes from Satanism, which is practiced by many individuals, many of which happen to be Jewish and read the Talmud and so on and so forth. My point is, is that in this interaction, he shouts the question, which delegitimizes what, it, what, what he's actually trying to say and the response that he's trying to get from Matt Walsh. If he'd have just asked it calmly, um, Matt Walsh would have been backed into a corner even more than he already is. So, you heard then Matt Walsh not answer the question, But you also heard the crowd start to boo. Well, that gives the crowd away then, doesn't it? It gives the crowd away as not understanding real history and what's really going on in the world and not being able to think multidimensionally and a couple of steps down and figure out, yes, who does fund this? Do they have something in common? What's their motive? Let's critically think about what's going on here. The crowd just gave themselves away. The people that were booing as not being able to think multidimensionally about any of it or critically think about any of it, and many of the people who again attend these speeches might show up once or twice and then they never return. I mean, me myself, for example, I went and saw Milo Yiannopoulos talk a couple of times. I enjoyed it, but once you've been to one or two Milo Yiannopoulos talks back in whenever that was, 2000, oh, 2015, 2016, I think it was, 2016, when he was doing those campus tours, you learned, you learned information, but then I walked away saying, I can learn this on my own, and then you end up learning even more than what the speaker is telling you. In this situation, people start to boo, Matt Walsh responds to the booing, blows off the question. And then the guy makes the makes the the deadly mistake. He shouts another question, which which gives Matt Walsh the ability to evade even more the first question and then respond to the second if he chooses to. So the Asian guy then says, the Asian student then says, What are you gonna do about it? What are you gonna do about it? And then Matt goes in in his witty retort, he says, you know, well you heard him. I mean, he said, what am I? what w- what am I gonna do? What? About the Jews? And then again, people boo. And then Matt goes, Do I and then he look Matt Walsh looks to the crowd for affirmation that he doesn't have to answer any question. So then he says, I don't have to dignify that with a response, do I really? And then the guy leaves without actually having his question answered. He could have stayed there. He could have restated the question calmly and said, just answer my first question. Why is it that you don't criticize or dive into the history of the individuals who fund the kind of degeneracy that you yourself, Matt Walsh, are actually profiting from exposing? See, this is the back and forth, the dichotomy and the paradigm that exists with with these money funders is they love playing both sides. They know that they can still control the money and the influence, so they don't have a problem paying the likes of Matt Walsh to expose particular things because they know at the end of the day they could pull Matt Walsh's card anytime they wanted. And that would be the end of Matt Walsh. But Matt Walsh is making a lot of money. So Matt Walsh isn't going to bite the hand that feeds. So if I was to make a suggestion again, if you're going to confront these individuals about why they aren't addressing the real history and the real problem behind all of this, you have to do it calmly and intellectually. Don't get over-emotional. Have your facts memorized. Memorize them. Don't stare at your cell phone while you're trying to give a speech. Memorize them. Know them. Because as I've said, when you, and as Judge Judy has said, when you tell the truth, you don't need a good memory. So, just tell the truth. But do it intellectually so you're not offending anybody, because there's going to be people in the room that are going to boo, boo. That's inappropriate. Forget those individuals, but don't give them a platform either. Again, you have to understand the entire battlefield, so to speak, and the whole terrain. You know, this kid didn't understand it. Walks in, shouts, does what he does, and then he gives Matt Walsh an out, and Matt Walsh takes it because Matt Walsh doesn't want to answer the question. This is exposing Conservative Inc. step by step all along the way here. I'm not discounting Conservatives Inc.'s ability to wake people up. They do wake people up. But it's the people who marry themselves to Conservative Inc. that are the problem. Because that means that they're always relying on other people to do the thinking for them instead of they themselves investigating topics on their own. And as I've said before, not a fan of Matt Walsh. I understand what he's doing. I get it, but it's low-hanging fruit. Ladies and gentlemen, I can interview a handicapped degenerate anytime I want and put it on camera and let people watch that handicapped degenerate uh, You know, try to explain their way out of their own mind frame. But you're never going to change that person. You might change some people who are watching it, or people who find it ridiculous and funny. That might motivate them to do something different with their lives or their children, or pull them out of school or whatever it may be. But, again, there's a playing of the system that goes on here and in an inability to dive deeper that I have a problem with. I try to do that on this show as best I can in the in the uh, amount of time and in the, in the bite-sized information that I, you know time slot, rather, that I I try to provide on this show, but I just wanted to play that audio clip because it exposes so much. Okay, moving on here, and there's a lot to move on to, Uh, more education-related things. Apparently, in the Los Angeles school district, a school athletic trainer has now been arrested and charged with rape and sexual assault of at least 10 people. Uh, Let's see. Let me bring that up real quick here. September 27th, 2022, District Attorney Gasson, if I'm saying that right, announces sexual assault charges against athletic trainer in Los Angeles schools. District Attorney announces that, blah, blah, blah. He announced that Richard Turner was charged for sexually assaulting 10 girls while he worked at two schools in Los Angeles. And here is the response from the uh, district attorney, said, quote, A school is a place where our children should feel safe and protected by those who we are supposed to trust. It is crushing for the victims' families in our education system when someone takes advantage of a youth. He said, I am grateful for the young women who stepped forward in the case to recount what happened to them. My office's Bureau of Victim Services will provide any needed services or resources to help them on the path from being a victim to becoming a survivor. Unquote. There was at least a seven-minute-long press conference regarding this. Uh, my point is, is this is a drop in the bucket when it comes to what goes on in American K-12 education. Again, this individual's story I'm sure is far more graphic than what we were even told. But as you also heard, they worked in two separate schools in Los Angeles, which means they were passing the trash. Not a new concept, something that happens with regularity, therein lies the problem. But why would you pass the trash? Why wouldn't you prosecute the trash from the word go? Who's allowing that to happen? There are certain things, again, that certain people won't dive into. But this is just another example, again, of a drop in the bucket of what really goes on in American K-12 education in school districts all across the United States. There are sexually degenerate people who work consistently within these environments. They'll carry out entire careers. And then only after they retire or even after they die, do their victims come forward and say. I was I was raped by this person or I was sexually groomed by this person or I was molested or taken advantage of by this person. That happens all of the time. Because the environment has become that now on a permanent basis with what they teach, who they hire, and who runs the place and who funds them. You've heard me say state departments of education are linked to individuals who help fund them who traffic children. And here's the homework for this weekend, if you're, if you're interested. I recommend watching the latest Amazing Polly video on BitChute. I'll link it in the description below. It lays it out perfectly as to the ideologies of the individuals that associate with quote-unquote educational psychology. She leaves a particular name out, which I think is important. And I'm not blaming her for leaving this person out. Perhaps she doesn't know of this individual, but if she were to ever listen to this episode, I even thought about uh, writing Polly and, and trying to hit her up on on Gab even and, and bring this individual's work and degeneracy to, to her attention. But it's the name Edward Thorndike. I've written about him before, and I believe he's in my book, Purposeful Deception, because he's part of the problem. He's a big part of the problem. Edward Thorndike is referred to as the father of American educational psychology. Uh, I'm just going to read this from Wikipedia and then just mention a couple other things about Edward Thorndike, which, by the way, I've brought him up on this show before, but it was a very long time ago. So my apologies, but it's worth revisiting because this guy was a psycho. And you'll see exactly how this ties into everything that goes on in American K-12 schools and classrooms. It says the following, and he lived from 1874 to 1949. Edward Lee Lee Thorndike was an American psychologist who spent nearly his entire career at Teachers College, Columbia University, the home base of Marxism, basically. His work on comparative psychology and the learning process led to the theory of connectionism, and helped lay the scientific foundation for educational psychology he also worked on solving industrial problems such as employee exams and testing he was a ma- he was a member rather of the board of the psychological corporation and served as president of the american psychological association in 1912 a review of General Psychology Survey published in 2002 ranked Thorndike as the ninth most cited psychologist of the 20th century. Edward Thorndike had a powerful impact on reinforcement theory and the behavior and behavioral analysis, providing the basic framework for empirical laws in behavior, in behavior psychology with his law of effect. Through his contributions. To the behavioral psychology field came his major impacts on education, where the law of effect has great influence in the classroom. Unquote. Ladies and gentlemen, everything you see in American K 12 schools regarding behavior came from Edward Thorndike. Everything. There were other people who clinged onto it, rewrote it, made it their own, whatever. Social emotional theory, a lot of critical theory, if not all of it, all of this comes from Edward Thorndike, from right here in the United States. Now again, who did he learn from? Well, he learned from the same people who came from the Frankfurt School. He learned from the same individuals that infiltrated, of course, Columbia University, Yale, Harvard, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and then spread all of that ideology around. Edward Thorndike tested on animals also. This is where he got a lot of his behavior, science, quote-unquote, from because all of these psychos test their behavior analysis and gain their behavioral analysis out on animals first. And then they say, look, look what, the, look what these animals can do, in particular these farm animals. Edward Thorndike preferred chickens. He actually kept chickens in his home, one in particular he would refer to as the smartest chicken he's ever had. These people aren't well. And then, of course, they view human beings, in particular children, as farm animals, and then they treat them as such. And they say, well, we can get them to do what farm animals can do, because if we can get a farm animal to do it, we can get a child to do it, and we can get a teacher to do it, we can get an administrator to do it, and we can get a superintendent and a school board to do it. See, what all of the people who work within the field of education don't understand is is they're being manipulated, and they've always been manipulated. Because the foundation of American education as it is and has been for the last over 120 plus years is exactly that. It is manipulation and being treated as if you're a farm animal. So all of the degeneracy, all of it, was taught to Thorndike. Thorndike advanced it, and you have exhibit A, B, C, D, all the way to Z and more and more after that as to what we're seeing in American K-12 schools and the university setting. So I'm going to move this along to Amazing Polly, Polly St. George. I think that this is important. I think that she, she dive into this a little bit more. Uh, yeah. So there you go. That's Edward Thorndike, but I recommend again, watching the video, uh, that, that Polly's put out on BitChute. Like I said, I'll link it in the description below. It's amazing. And she's a hundred percent right, and she goes into the history of a guy named Bruce Perry, who is remarkably nefarious, has terrible ties to countless people. It's tied in with murder, deception, you name it, all of it. It's all awful, uh, but it's worth it, and it's quite an education, and she does an amazing job every single time i i I love I love her work it''s It's, it's awesome. Okay. uh here's the next thing. I'm going to skip that one because it doesn't really matter. It's you know more parents criticizing school boards, and then the DOJ goes after parents for criticizing school boards. That's kind of low-hanging fruit. I've been over that before. Here's something else, though, that I've been over before, and I'm going to bring it up again. Uh, speaking of low-hanging fruit, Project Veritas is at it again. Project Predictable, as I'm starting to call them. Uh, and, and, you know, creating this, again, undercover video talking to a leftist who got fired for saying things publicly, probably on a TikTok video that I believe libs of TikTok caught this person and uh, and, and caught them talking about how they try to be the parent for the children and they try to push the parents out of the way in the classroom setting and whatever else. This individual has blue hair, gauges in his ears, and is covered in tattoos. And what? We're supposed to be surprised that this person has a radical ideology, is a Marxist leftist, among a thousand other things? It's just low-hanging fruit, and I I don't understand why Veritas continues to focus on the low-hanging fruit. Veritas, again, is conservative ink. They won't go a level deeper than that, because it's not profitable for them so they keep it right where they have to keep it so that they get attention and make money and get the clicks and the likes and the shares and all that stuff. It's profitable for them at that surface level. So apparently again they caught this guy after he had been let go on another hidden video where he's basically saying the same kinds of stuff. Shouldn't shouldn't shock anybody. Then they put out a video where someone within this guy's old school during a faculty meeting caught the principal talking about this particular teacher and how Project Veritas got a hold of him and how that guy no longer works there. And she was nervous that people were recording her as she was talking. And she encouraged all the teachers to put their phones down because she didn't want to get recorded and whatever else. And then again, she started to talk about how there's no politics in the classroom and that doesn't exist. And you know that's not what we want to do here and whatever else the principal is a leftist that's beyond evident for someone to say that politics doesn't exist in the classroom is a person who has their head in the sand a lot of administrators not all but a lot of them have their heads in the sand in particular the the left leaning ones and again it's not surprising this goes on in american classroom settings all of the time if i had recorded audio recorded every single thing that I heard in an American classroom and played it on this show when I taught school for nine years, you you wouldn't be surprised. I don't think any of it would surprise you at this point. I could just tell you what it was and you know that would be it. As you might expect, a lot of it had to do with keeping things from parents. Again, there was one faculty meeting that where a, a bunch of different teachers were sort of broken up by departments and we were all in separate classrooms throughout the entire building. And the principal, quite literally, a female who's an absolute criminal, by the way, and belongs in jail. Um, And she literally does belong in jail for covering up endless things, which I've brought up on the show before. But And she continues to work there. She uh, decided to go from room to room, stick her head in to every single classroom where teachers were gathering together in these small groups, and she shouted into the doorway and into the room, I don't want, what did she say? She said, and I'm quoting her, she said, quote, I don't want any parents calling the school this year. And then she turned around and left. I mean, wrap your head around that one. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life and she was one of the dumbest human beings that I've ever met in my life. I mean she's looking at teachers and 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 yelling at us that she doesn't want parents to call the school. I mean parents call the school all the time for all kinds of things and a lot of it has to do with ineptitude on the on the part of administrators. So what does that have to do with us? What does that have to do with me? Forget about the rest of the teachers. What about me? What does that have to do with me? So, again, it's project predictable as far as I'm concerned. They just, you know, they're not going deeper. They aren't going deeper. Investigate state departments of education, investigate where they get their money. Yes, I know Project Veritas relies on on whistleblowers, but they might want to just do their own investigations themselves and then bring that information to the american public instead of bringing in these whistleblowers and then doing that fundraising that they do for whistleblowers and then kick the whistleblowers out of the door and then hope that the whistleblower you know can can make a living somehow i mean project veritas isn't free from from using individuals is my point they do a pretty decent job of it And I'm also not saying, again, that some of the information that they bring to bear isn't important. But as you've heard me say in the past, how much time are they spending on the shots? How much time are they spending on the mask wearing, uh, the biological weapon, the the jab genocide that's taking place? And how much time did they spend on that regarding American schools? And the answer was next to zero. It was next to zero. So that's worth keeping in mind, I think. Okay. Here's the next thing. And this was cool. This next thing was cool. And I'm glad that Cliff High brought this up because I've brought it up on this show numerous times. Uh, Cliff High in his last episode, which I also recommend you, you go and watch. I'll probably link that in the description below too. But Cliff High on BitChute decided to bring up the corruption regarding peer reviewed academic articles. Again, not a new thing. But he was talking about it kind of like it was a new thing, although he mentioned some old stories of when he started to realize that it wasn't, it wasn't on the up and up. That these individuals who run these journals are bought and paid for, they're corrupt, and they only allow certain articles and certain people to publish within their journals. Again, that's not a new thing. That's, that's very, very common. It's not what you know, it's who you know. And it's not what you know, it's how much money and influence you have. And that's about it. I'm glad that he mentioned it. I'm glad he brought it up. Um, And he basically said again that a lot of these journals are, are going to go bankrupt, and they already are in many cases. There are less and less people publishing within these articles, and there are less differing opinions and less differing research that's being published within these articles. And as a result, you're just hearing the exact same thing from all the same people regarding the same topics on a constant basis within every issue of these academic journals, in particular in the field of education, I might add. And and you've heard me bring this story up before, but the best example I have is the conference brochure and conference manual uh, for the AERA conference that I attended in 2019. Um, that conference that that I attended in Toronto, Canada, was an abomination. The The conference manual that showed all the titles and descriptions of, of every conference session was as thick as a dictionary, if not thicker. It was massive. It was a massive book. And once I got it, I went down into the bar uh, of the hotel and ordered a couple of beers and I sat there and I went through it with a pen and I started to highlight all of the titles to these articles that had nothing to do with education. It had nothing to do with teaching and learning, not a thing. And eventually I stopped because I just couldn't keep circling because I was, it was turning out that I was circling the entire book and every presentation that was in it. A lot of it had to do with Donald Trump. A lot of it had to do with him being a racist, and racism, and racism, and racism. And a lot of it had to do, again, with social-emotional learning, and racism, racism. And and then I thought, and LGBT this, and whatever else. And I thought, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And then, of course, you think of how it, when everybody's thinking alike, someone's not thinking. Well, that's exactly what's going on with many of these peer-reviewed, quote-unquote, journal articles. Peer-reviewed only means that you get a couple of people who read it and tend to agree with it and then they decide to publish it. That's it. It just means that somebody else offers their opinion. I'll give you another example that ties into, again, what Cliff High said in his episode, which I think I've brought up here before, but it just shows the hypocrisy of these journals, but it also proves that they're collapsing. Typically what happens is you publish your dissertation and then you take the research from your dissertation from from doctorate school and you try to publish it in at least one one journal sometimes you can you can take more than one set of information so to speak from from your dissertation and publish it in multiple journals but whatever i just decided to publish it in one which if memory serves was the journal of ethnographic and qualitative research i think that's what it was uh and i was a reviewer for that for that article or that journal rather before I published for them so again they were kind of doing me a favor and and actually I became a reviewer for that journal because my dad I believe used to be associated with the journal in some in some aspect he could have even been uh, the the lead editor of the journal if memory serves he'll he'll correct me once once he hears this but he was He was basically they were doing him a favor by allowing me to be a reviewer for it, and I thought, yeah, sure, I'll review some of these articles. Why not? I like reading and uh you know providing my two cents, but we'll we'll see what these people are, are writing about uh anyway th- th- of course, the reason that I ended up publishing in that in that journal was because I had been a reviewer for them for probably a year or two, and so then they were like, "Hey, sure, yeah." You know, just follow our formatting style and 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 we'll we'll do our best to publish it, and they did, which was fine. I tried getting a portion of my dissertation, which ended up being that article published in the Journal of School Violence, because I thought that they was more it was more appropriate for that journal. I had been a member of that association in that journal for years. I immediately got back the answer no when when I submitted. Uh, my article for review. They didn't bother editing anything. They didn't bother providing any suggestions. It was just a hard no. Years later, after I published my dissertation in in the previous journal, the Journal of School Violence got a hold of me and said, "Hey, do you want to be a reviewer for our for our journal?" And I thought, "Well, this is odd. They wouldn't take my article, but they want me to be a reviewer for articles." What that proves ladies and gentlemen is that they're collapsing. These very associations that are dependent on money, participation and a higher level of thinking so to speak are collapsing. Because they don't I mean they don't have reviewers for their for their for their journals. They don't have articles for their journals. And they're all starting to sound exactly the same which is remarkably problematic but it's always been attached to money, make no mistake. It's always been attached to pushing a degenerate agenda because if you can normalize that, then it becomes ubiquitous. It it exists everywhere. So there you have it. I'm glad Cliff brought it up. It's important. And um it's and it's not new. It's something that's gone on since the inception of academic journals. Uh, which again leads back to the Marxist ideology, which again is a a Talmud ideology in, in many regards, and, and that's just the way that it is. So there you have it. Here Here's another story too. Oh no, it disappeared. Stop. Really? Okay, well, that website's gone. Weird. Uh, let me at least bring this up then, because I can still see the web address. It was a story from Big League Politics, and it had to do with Minnesota high school students were staging a walkout in protest to this anti-white racism ideology that exists in many schools. I'm summing it up by uh, by mentioning the title. I was going to read the whole thing, but it's, it's disappeared from this particular web link. Anyway, you get the gist of it. The point is is that uh they're walking, you know, they're having a protest. Great, good for them. You know my stance on this too. Protests can bring attention to the administration, but they don't bring the, they don't bring the real solution to the problem. And the real solution to the problem is to walk away. If every single student who was protesting walked away permanently, the school would cease to exist. That's how you solve this problem. It's not through protesting, it's not through wearing leotards in, in school board meetings. That's not it. It's not even from reading passages in, uh, you know, from degenerate school books that exist within the libraries of schools. That ship has sailed. That base has been, has been crossed. Uh, that card has been played. Uh, whatever, what other examples can I bring? That, that, uh, that puzzle's been completed. <laughs> I mean, I'm running out of examples. You get my point, though. It's been played. It's been done. Uh, the 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 student protests, you know, good for them. If that's a step in in their own individual or collective awakening, great. I don't think students and families understand the cards that they hold, and the and the influence that they have. They if they just walk away, other people will walk away too. Just like when they engage in a protest. Other people protest with them. Well, what's the ultimate form of protesting? Not participating in the system anymore. So don't participate in the system and watch what happens to the system. It will collapse. That's my suggestion to this Minnesota high school who engaged in this. Again, if it's anti-white racism ideology that's being spread, why would you protest and then return? You think it's going to go away? No. Make it go away by never showing up again. Self govern. That's, that's the way forward. I'm going to keep saying it because it's the way forward. Okay. Jabs. Let's talk about the biogenocide that continues to take place. I have some updates to provide here from previous guests and contributors to the show, so thank you for sending this my way. First, this comes from Sicily in New Mexico. Uh, she mentions a bus crash apparently that occurred, a school bus crash, which again consistently brings up the question: Were they jabbed? That has to be that has to be raised each and every time. I know that school bus crashes occur across the United States on a year in and year out basis, but as I said, there's going to be an uptick in this, and keep an eye out for this. And sure enough, here's another one: Were they jabbed? I don't know. But we can take guesses, can't we? And uh, apply Occam's razor and, and we might arrive at a logical, uh, a logical conclusion or answer. Um, she also said that the football player who collapsed on the field and was taken to the hospital from the Las Cruces area of, of New Mexico uh, has passed away. This too, we can assume was jab related. This is continuing to happen. This will continue to happen. Uh, Here's the next thing. This is from AJ Gochik. He sent me this, and I'm going to read the exact text as he wrote it. He said, quote, Hey, Sean, congratulations on two years of podcasting. The best podcast show out there! Exclamation point. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. He said, I mean that. Always look forward to Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. Um, he said, quote, I asked a local friend who is very right wing and anti vaccines, manages political campaigns, and is friends with Steve Kirsch. And his friends with Steve Kirsch, what he thought of Kirsch's endorsement of Ron Johnson because of the senator's quote unquote outspokenness on the jabs, even though Johnson hardly broaches the subject of jabs, certainly not recently here is his response. Quote, I think Johnson can't talk vaccines in October of 2022. Half his Republican base is vaccinated. He might be a pussycat or a shill, but even if he is a well-intentioned lion, I would tell him to campaign on the economy right now and leave vaccines alone until the new Congress meets and he secures his committee assignments. I think Johnson is probably out of the vaccine fight until February and likely summer until he can have much impact on the issue," unquote. And there you go. This is an angle ladies and gentlemen that's remarkably important and one that AJ reminded me of and his and his acquaintance or friend here reminded me of, which is like I said, very important and it's the political game that gets played. They don't want to touch these subjects because their constituents are directly associated with said subject. You have to assume that the voting base for most conservatives, at least 50% of them, are jabbed. If they bring up the jabs in any way, they might lose votes, which means they're finished. There has to be, there had to have been some kind of a memo that went across all these politicians' desks and computers that said, don't bring up the jabs. See, that wouldn't stop me if I was an actual politician. I would bring it up consistently. I would say, if you took this, you were misled. If you took this, you're spending way too much time listening to politicians. If you took this, you need to be very careful and this is a problem because people are dying from this, and they're consistently getting sick, and they have compromised immune systems now. Endless people have been fighting about this. I'm going to keep fighting about this, and that's the end of my political speech. But that right there again is what someone could do if they were honest. But ladies and gentlemen, they're politicians. None of them are going to be honest. This is why Marjorie Taylor Greene continues to, to be a Donald Trump groupie, and shows up at all of his rallies, regardless of what state he's in. She represents Georgia, by the way. She represents a small area of Georgia. Funny how you don't see her in Georgia very often. I mean, she's, you know, she's, she's making the rounds, trying to draw attention to herself, but not bringing up the jabs. They're not bringing up the biogenocide. It's very telling and and awful to say the least. Uh, I want to bring this up too. This was an, uh, a very interesting angle to this also, and this came from an educator in Louisiana who is going to remain anonymous at this point, but they know who they are, and thank them for. And I thank them again for sending this my way. Um. They said that their district and district employees were approached by an insurance company, an outside insurance company, that was trying to sell extra insurance on top of apparently their already existing school employee insurance money or insurance policies. And it's basically again add, add courage, add confidence is what is what the flyer says. And it has to, it's called uh, pulse protection series which is hilarious, and ironic and sad all wrapped into one. It has to do with extra heart disease, heart attack, and stroke supplemental health insurance. Now, why would they be doing that? Why would these districts be allowing outside insurance agents to come in and spokespeople to come in to sell extra health insurance specifically related to heart disease, heart attacks, and strokes. You see, the people at the very top know exactly what's going on. The people at the very top of the high rises on the top floor in the boardrooms of these insurance companies know what's happening. They know what this bioweapon was going to do back in 2020. They were scheming probably before then to put themselves in a position where they would sell extra insurance to make more money on the backs of sick and dead people. The American K-12 and university school system is not free from this nefarious insurance influence. These insurance companies, again, know exactly what they're doing. They're well aware. The base level, ground level, knock on your front door person to provide such pamphlets to school districts, might not know what's going on. But you listen to this show, you know what's going on. And the people in those, again, top floor high rises of these insurance companies, they know exactly what's going on. And they're just trying to profit from it. That's all. It's a profit game and it's terrible and it's sick and it's disgusting, but they're trying to do whatever they can to profit from this without a doubt. You've also heard me say this. Of course, this has been written about, and this giant scheme has been written about for over 120 plus years. It probably dates even further back than that regarding the manipulation of of medicine and selling people medicine under the guise of it helping them when in fact it doesn't. I mean, we're talking about a, a, a centuries old practice here. But this insurance these insurance scams specifically, and the manipulation of what is defined as a person, in particular regarding their DNA. And if a person's DNA is manipulated by one means or another, can someone write a patent for that new DNA? My understanding is the answer is yes. And the Supreme Court actually ruled on on something like this back in 2013. I have the course uh the the case right here Supreme Court of the United States syllabus Association for Manic- Molecular Rather Pathology and others versus Myriad Genetics Incorporated and others and this was argued on April 15th of 2013 and it was decided on June 13th of 2013 now I'm not a lawyer I have this on my Gab account, and if somebody wants to bounce over there and give this another read and interpret it for me, who is a lawyer like AJ or other listeners of the show, I'm all for it. My understanding of this is that this myriad group, or one of the two groups, is basically arguing that if a person's DNA is manipulated, can you patent that manipulated DNA? And I believe the answer is yes. In fact, I'm going to let Todd Callender, who is a lawyer. I was actually once in the same room with Todd Callender. I didn't know who he was at the time, but it was during that uh, white coat summit thing for America's frontline doctors back in San Antonio last year. Uh, But he spoke there briefly and then split. Um, But anyway, he was on Maria Z's show. And I want to play that clip here for you because he's, this is basically what he's talking about. He's talking about how the individuals who took the jabs no longer have God-given DNA because it's been manipulated, which means what are they categorized as now? So give this a listen. It's dependent
1: on ownership of these people who are no longer Homo sapiens. In fact, they renamed them Homo Borg Genesis. Um, so what, what human yeah. rights does a homoborg genesis have? Homo borg genesis is the species that they have named vaccinated people. And I use the term vaccinated loosely. The genetically modified people are now referred to as homoborg genesis, not homo sapiens. You can see it in the very first, I think it's the second page, actually, in the NASA Langley research paper on fifth generation warfare. They say um, humans, whatever, and borgs. So they've already said that that people are are not going to be homo sapiens. And therefore, the question arises, if Maria is no longer a human for purposes of the law because she's been genetically modified, um, then what protections does she enjoy under the penal code? Let's use the law against them. And we can do that. Um, And that's one of the reasons why we're suing. And one of the things, one of the ways I'm trying to stop them is in our case, it's Robert V. Austin, the 10th Circuit. I put in front of the court the question. Is it true that people who were given mRNA gene therapy shots are, in fact, now the property, the chattel property of the patent holders? What's interesting is the Department of Justice, who defends the Department of Defense, Health and Human Services, and the FDA, all at the same time they defend them, didn't deny it.
0: He said they did not deny it. Didn't deny it. And there you go. That just shows again their motive here. And this stretches back a while back. Again, that that court case was uh, 2013. So I think that's just one example. I think that court case, that Supreme Court case, is just one example, but this has been a scheme for a very long time. If you can legally strip the rights of individuals by having them take something that doesn't categorize them as a human being anymore then the jig is up. Then they lose any rights, allegedly, that, that, they, uh, that they already have. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how far that goes, because I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but it is what it is, and it's certainly worth considering and, and knowing that this is something that's bouncing around the courts, apparently. Um, here's something else. Two stories very quickly here from the expose from this past week expert claims that covid vaccines will kill 700 million people around the world this was dr david martin made this made this statement it says this also within the article uh let's see it says quote Some may think this number of deaths is an exaggeration, but Dr. Martin is not the only one who has been raising the alarm. Dr. Robert Young estimated in August of 2021 that 500 million people worldwide had already been injured, with potentially 35 million deaths due to COVID injections. A year later, August 2022, Steve Kirsch estimated a ballpark number of 12 million COVID injection deaths based on an estimate of one death for every 1,000 doses. Quote, we are killing nearly close to 10,000 people every single day, he wrote. Also in August, Peter Halligan, by piecing together data from a variety of sources, suggested as many as 20 million people worldwide had died from COVID injections, while another 2.2 billion have suffered injuries, implying we are only just getting started and it continues a little bit, Uh, and yeah, there you go. Of course, I brought it up also, but, you know, it it is what it is. It's horrific, regardless of who says it. It uh, it, it is a fact. It is happening, and there are signs everywhere that it's happening, and that's one of the things, again, that I encourage people to pay attention to, And, and one of the things, of course, numerous strategies that I've brought up here on this show there's another article again from the expose. It says, CDC confirms USA suffered a 338 times increase in reports of AIDS-associated diseases and cancers in 2021 following the COVID vaccine rollout. I want to read this next thing because this is an excellent uh legalese approach that has worked and has exposed the CDC. And now the CDC, of course, has to turn over information regarding these shots, which could bury the CDC. And that would be fantastic because they don't need to exist. They're not a government organization. They are funded, unfortunately, by numerous individuals and nefarious groups around the world. But uh this comes from vidmax.com and it's titled ICAN, I-C-A-N, finally gets CDC data and shows out of 10 million mRNA vaccinated Americans that 7.7% needed medical treatment from side effects. That's a lot of people. It says, quote, from the ICAN website, as explained in our prior update, vSafe is a new smartphone based CDC program that allows users to register after getting a COVID 19 vaccine and provide health check ins. ICANN wanted to obtain this data, so it, depl- it deployed its legal team, headed by Aaron Seary, to obtain the vSafe data. After suing the CDC twice and following months of legal wrangling, the CDC finally capitulated, resulting in a court order that required it to produce this data. The first batch of data containing one hundred and forty four million rows of health entries by vSafe users has now been obtained by ICANN, and you can search it using a user-friendly interface that ICANN worked around the clock to create. The first batch of data includes the response the responses vSafe users provided to pre-populated check the box fields it does not include data from the fields that allowed free text responses. It nonetheless reveals shocking information that should have caused the CDC to immediately shut down its COVID-19 vaccine program. Among numerous alarming results, out of the approximate 10 million individuals that registered and submitted data to V-SAFE, 782,913 individuals, or over 7.7% of V-Safe users, had a health event requiring medical attention, emergency room intervention and/or hospitalization. It then says over 25% had an event that required them to miss school or work or prevented normal activities. It says there were also 71 million reports of symptoms in the pre-populated fields. From the approximately 10 million users. This is an average of over seven symptoms reported per vSafe registrant. Reported symptoms included, for example, over 4 million reports of joint pain, a very concerning immune reaction. While around 2 million of these joint pain reports were mild, over 1.8 million of the reports were for moderate joint pain, and over 400,000 were for, for severe joint pain. Since vSafe only I- included, rather, less than 4% of people that received a COVID-19 vaccine, tens of millions of Americans likely had an immune reaction to the COVID-19 vaccine in their joints that resulted in debilitating pain and potential long-term harm. So when you're hearing people, ladies and gentlemen, hear about or talk about joint pain or my whole body hurt, or I couldn't move after the shots, or months or years after I took the shots and I quote unquote got COVID. That's a compromised immune system. That's what that means. It continues, it says there were also approximately 13,000 infants under two years of age who were registered for vSAFE. For these 13,000 children, there were over 33,000 symptoms experienced that were significant enough to report with the most common symptoms being irritability, sleeplessness, pain, and loss of appetite. They were very concerning. Th- these are very concerning, rather, since babies cannot speak, and hence these symptoms are how they often communicate that something is wrong. These data also reflect a disproportionate amount of negative health impacts, including medical events following the Moderna vaccine versus the Pfizer vaccine. These were also a disproportionate number of negative events reported by women versus men. This is consistent with what was seen in Pfizer's initial post-authorization safety report sent to the FDA, a report which likewise had to be obtained by lawsuit, which similarly showed a disproportionate number of neurological events experienced by women following the COVID-19 vaccine from Pfizer, unquote. Yikes. This comes from Judicial Watch. Also, it's titled Judicial Watch Uncovers Biden Administration Propaganda Plan to Push COVID Vaccine. Again, are we surprised? Are we, are we surprised? I'm going to end with this one. And I've mentioned this before. I'm going to keep mentioning it. Again, I, uh, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna scream from the mountaintops, and and just let this be the only thing, of course, that I say. But you've heard me say this before, and I'm going I'm going to keep saying it. And I encourage you to do the exact same thing and tell the people that you know to to never do this. If you tell them to never do it and you tell them more than once, and then they do it, ladies and gentlemen, it's game over for them. Unfortunately, I I don't know what else to say. Uh, but this has to do with the flu shots. This comes from the National Pulse, and it's titled, Pfizer is Now Experimenting with MRNA Flu Vaccines. It says, amidst multiple medical controversies, the protected corporate Goliath marches on. Pfizer, Inc. entered into a phase three clinical trial for the new MRNA-based influenza vaccine, which will rely on the same controversial technology as the company's COVID-19 vaccine. I'm going to round out this episode by reading this. It says, "Quote, the pharmaceutical giant's clinical trial will quote, evaluate the efficacy, safety, tolerability and immunogenicity of the company's quadrivalent modified RNA or MODRNA influenza vaccine candidate in approximately 25,000 healthy US adults according to a company press release." First of all, those adults are finished. I don't know what to tell them. Uh, You're finished. You inject yourself with this, you're done. It says, quote, citing our experiences with RNA viruses and mRNA technology. Viruses don't exist, not a real thing. In reference to its COVID-19 vaccines, Pfizer claimed it had gained, quote, an even deeper understanding of the opportunity to potentially provide more efficacious vaccines, according to Annalise Anderson, PhD, Senior Vice President of Chief Scientific Officer Vaccine Research and Development at the company. This is the former position that Dr. Mike Yeadon held, where Dr. Mike Yeadon says, no one should inject themselves with anything ever. Keep that in mind. I like that man. So, yeah, the man who left because of what they were doing and the woman who has now replaced him or maybe replaced other people behind Mike Eden is pushing the agenda, ladies and gentlemen. It says, quote, or she said, quote, we are excited to start the first phase three efficacy study of the mRNA-based influenza vaccine that could potentially deliver an improved flu vaccine to help address the significant burden of this disease, she continued. She's excited. It says the company claimed that the flexibility of MRNA technology and its rapid manufacturing would allow it to create better strain matches in future years and rapid large-scale manufacturing of vaccines. Ladies and gentlemen, the flu shot is now a kill program, always has been, of course, but now they've ramped it up. Now they've ramped it up. They're telling you that it's a kill program. Where are flu shots distributed? everywhere, including schools. I hope you can see the weight of this and what this means going forward. These will get approved. These will get approved. And then what will happen? They're going to wipe out American youth. They're going to wipe out the adults who take them. It says the news comes amidst continued controversy over Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccines, which uses mRNA technology. That's the understatement of the year. It says studies into the vaccine have shown adverse effects on the health of its recipients, included, including altered menstrual cycles in women, lowered sperm counts in men, and cardiovascular problems in children and young adults. Trace amounts of COVID-19 vaccines were also detected in the breast milk of new mothers. How about death? I'm going to keep saying that. How about death as a side effect? It's not a side effect, it's an intentional. Questions also persist it says about true efficacy of vaccines of the vaccines. As several studies have demonstrated that natural immunity is superior to COVID-19 vaccination and that the recommended booster regime may not protect recipients as strongly as promised. Yeah. And then it says the following, quote, and it ends with this, Dr. Robert Malone, the inventor of the mRNA vaccine technology, has also repeatedly criticized Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccines, warning of health risks, particularly among young children. No, among everybody. Everyone. You've heard me say this focusing on children is a mistake. It's everybody. Every human being anything that lives, even zoo animals are getting the COVID shots. What's happening to the zoo animals? They're dying. <laughs> honest to, honest to shit. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. They're telling you their plan. They're telling you their plan. You know, there was a time in history. I'll end with this. There was a time in history when the enemy would write about their plans in dark corners. Then there was a time in history, or speak about it in Dark Corners, rather. Then there was a time in history when they would write about it. They would only write about it. And if anybody criticized it, well, then they would criticize the people who were criticizing it. They would create all of these names to criticize these people. They would call them anti-Semites, or they would call them conspiracy theorists, or they would call them whatever. Von Drucks. They would make up all these weird names all pretend names to criticize the people who do the criticizing. Now we've reached a point in the 20th century, I should say, when they would not only speak about it, but they'd speak about it publicly. They wouldn't just write about it, they'd speak about it publicly. And then they would gauge in, engage in predictable programming through videos, movies, radio, TV, commercials, you name it. Lay out all the nefarious plans of what's going on right now. They're still doing all of that. They're still doing all of the of the of the previously mentioned methods. All of it. Now what they're doing is they're bringing a level of excitement to it to just hook in even more people. They're not talking about it in dark corners anymore. They're telling you what they have planned for you. They're telling you what they have planned for every beating heart on earth. And that's that's it. If you think you saw you, you've you've seen mad and angry in in 2020 and 2021 by the people who are awake and 2022 you've heard me say this school boards have no idea what's coming their way. It's not going to be people in leotards that's going to be the problem. That's not it. It's going to be people dying of these flu shots and these COVID jabs that have already taken place. That's what's going to back up on all these school boards. That's what's going to crush this entire system. But they're going to have to experience it themselves first. They're going to have to see it first. And we're just now entering quote unquote flu season. The coming four or five months that we have laying ahead of us is going to show us an awful lot. It's not going to include allegedly these Pfizer flu shots with the mRNA allegedly in it, even though there are a lot of doctors out there saying that people are testing these vials and not finding mRNA in it. I don't know what any of that means. They're finding poison. They're finding graphene oxide. They're finding a thousand other poisons. That's enough. That's enough to kill people. But normalizing this within flu shots is going to normalize the death among the flu shot recipients. And that's what we have to warn people about. But like I said, you can warn them only a few times. After that, if they don't listen, God help them. Make sure and check the description below, ladies and gentlemen, for those two video links. Have a great weekend, and I'll catch you on Monday. Take care.